Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordo is down in Los Angeles getting ready for the Utah-USC game. He's going to be covering that. Hans Olsen, kind enough to fill in. Really appreciate you coming in, Hansy. I'm headed over to the UVU-Weber State game right after this. Are you really? Yeah. They got a volleyball match tonight. I'm excited You're going to go down and see it? Or where is it? In Ogden? or It's in Orm. Oh, so it's yeah. down in your neck of the woods? Down in our neck of the woods. Headed over to uvu to watch the Wolverines. You could uh, you could go down and watch some volleyball, and then afterwards you could go do your best to put uh, Stephen and our boys at Umami out of business with their all-you-can-eat Japanese barbecue. Tell me he doesn't have any idea what's coming, does he? No. Oh, man. I'm going to bring the hurt. You notice he didn't offer me a free plate because well, he's like, even if we charge him full price, we're still losing 50 to $80. Let alone if you and Rock show up together. Oh. Then he's in he's in real trouble. Hey, Rock. He's listening. So it's... <laughs> So, so uh, we're at um, Sweet Burrito tomorrow uh, for Football Fridays. Rock found out because I was going through my schedule, and I'm like, "Oh, Sweet Burrito." He's like, "Oh, so he's already been trying to like." I think I'm gonna be sick on Friday. He's trying to get out of school. Did you hear about when he he faked sick, and I took him to the remote, and he ate three Sweet Burritos in a three hour period, and I'm like, "Dude, Rock, that is not okay, man." Like, he's like, oh, I'm sick. I had to go pick up from school. He planned the whole thing because Amanda was out of town. So I, I was his only. I was the only thing that could come get him. Now, let me ask you this. Were you mad at him when you found out he faked it? Or were you like, I probably would have done the same thing? I was like, I probably would have done the same yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. And Coach Mack was just getting out of kick out of it. Oh, you know? I'm sure. Well, I got another burrito. Order another one. I'm like, Mack, stop, man. He thought it was hilarious. How uh, How is the grocery bill with all those teenagers and rock? It's up there. It's way up there. So is. I've got two volleyball playing high schoolers right now. I've got a junior and a freshman. And then I've got Rock, who's 12, and Riley, who's still eating like a bird, but she, she's 10. And our our grocery bill's getting ridiculous. I was thinking about like Lance Reynolds Sr., Oh, yeah, that poor guy. When he had Matt, (laughs) Lance Jr., Dallas, you know, all these guys are NFL guys, like huge dudes. And I see them like, I'm still really close with the family, close with the sister, and they post family reunion pictures. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh, those guys are so big. Mama Reynolds had to been, you know, three to four thousand dollars deep a month. In grocery ridiculous. money? Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> All right, we want to remind you about our friends at Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. Diamond Airport Parking. Uh, is Julian Blackman going to play tomorrow, Hans? You hearing anything about that? I haven't heard that he's not. Yeah, I, I would assume that he's ready to go. 
I, I kind of thought the same. You know, we found out last minute that he wasn't going to play against Idaho State, and that might be one of those games where you don't need him. So, And it's not like a, a player like that, a senior, needs, a, needs the reps. Mm-hmm. So maybe uh, take an extra week to heal up. But he is important in this game. I didn't ask specifics, but uh, I was talking with somebody very close to the program earlier this morning because I was interested in – Orlando Amana, the center, mm-hmm. he needed to be back. Tawala filled in against Idaho State. And there were some issues there. I don't know if you saw the film review. There were some issues early on in Idaho State. Zach Moss getting hit in the backfield, stopped on a third and two, um, pressure twice on Huntley where Huntley had to scramble, didn't have time to sit and throw. So there were some issues. Most of that was coming through that center position. And I'm not bagging on Tawala because it's tough to make that, that transition. You need Umana for that USC game tomorrow. And so I kind of reached out in an effort of, mm, is he back? And the the return was, yeah, we should be fully loaded, which would tell me that Blackman would be a part of that. But I, I haven't heard, I haven't really checked into that specifically. All right, Austin, you might want to prepare to get the music ready, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and go down this direction with you. I asked Frank the other day what he thought about the offensive line uh, because it was a question mark coming in, one of the few with this this Utah team because they were turning over all those positions. And I've, I've thought, for the most part, the lines looked pretty good. I thought they looked pretty good. Again. I mean, you saw what Kairos Tonga did to USC. He didn't do that to Utah. I thought they played pretty well. Uh, against the Cougs, your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with you, and I think they're working on depth. Frank was asking me for a grade today. Frank and Scotty were asking me for a grade today, and I would go probably a square B, but I don't know, and other than Kairos Tonga, I don't know if there's been real tests because there's not tests on the outside from BYU. Devin Kafusi's not quite there. Zach Dawes, not quite there. Those are workers. Uh, Trajan Peely, not quite there. Like those are workers and hustlers and guys that will try to control their area, but they're not guys that'll cause you fits on speed rush and inside spins and slap rips and those kinds of things. It's just not their their thing. <laughs> so you can't ask me in there. I, this music can only be played when I go into it on my own fruition. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure Austin makes the rules in there. Okay, so <clears throat> a spin wrap. What was it? I'm gonna do my <laughs> a Dyson slice, huh? Some of these things sounded yummy. Sounds like umami again. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, I know they're working on depth. That's a problem. But I think that Simi Mawala is coming along on the outside. He's just a freshman, and he's coming along on the outside. There were some issues with uh, Nick Ford when he moved inside last week that they've got to get squared away. I gave it just a solid B. But let's see how they do against Jay Tuafele tomorrow. You know, let's see how they do <clears throat> against some of these four and five star rushers that they've got on the outside. We were just talking to the play by play guy for the USC Trojans. Pete Arbogast, yeah. And he said that he felt like, I can't remember, you asked him about the personnel defensively. Yeah. Did he say that they, he felt like they were down in talent or thin in talent? Uh, thin, I believe, is was what it? he said. He definitely said it was the weakness of the team. It was, the, I think he said it was thin in talent, but you're going to find guys that are going to really go on the outside. And I was not real enthused with how they showed up in the first two quarters against Idaho State. They, they needed to play better against them. But it was two guys. Really, it was two guys. Hmm. I watched an Idaho State one technique, take the center 
on a third and two and put him three yards deep and forced the tackle on the backside to the backside backer. So you can't do that against Idaho State. If Idaho State does that and you had that same personnel against USC, they're going to do it two times that. And more often, Idaho State. It was nice because you know eventually they caught their flow and things got better against Idaho State. But I saw some things early I didn't like. I'm still going to give them a solid B. Well, the good news is is that I don't think that USC is well coached on either side of the ball. So agree with that. Uh, maybe they don't take advantage of some of those things if they even watch film. It's strange because I've got so much respect for Chad Kauhaha. He is a really good defensive line coach. He was good at Utah. He was good at Wisconsin. And he's right now, he's that USCD line coach. And I don't know if he's got I was kids. More he thinking just can't reach. Clancy Pendergast, who has also been good at other places but he's, that he's been. But I, I was so unimpressed with the, the game plan for USC against BYU. And I was unimpressed with the, the lack of adjustments. Yeah, the arrogance was just ridiculous. I thought so too. It was it was like okay, well BYU's got a really good game plan to stop exactly what we want to do, but we're USC, we're just so gonna we're going to do it. We're going to keep doing it. And it's like, no, dude, you better switch it up because BYU's they they they're not deep in town, but they got some guys that want a ball. They could beat you. Yeah, obviously, they want some guys they that, they've got some guys. Tyson Williams wants to ball. They couldn't stop him. BYU could have ran Tyson on eight to twelve more carries. And uh, he had 19, I think it was. Uh, I can tell you. They could have given him 8 to 12 more. 19 for 99 yards. So he could have gotten 26 to 28 carries. Oh, wouldn't you love to see? I'd love to see that this week, right? I d- yes. I want to see that against Washington. Yes. Well, Zach Moss is going to get that many against USC. But USC couldn't do anything to stop him. And it was like, what are, what are you guys exactly trying to do? It was so bizarre. And BYU did a really good job of putting them on their heels. I mean, they hit them with some trick plays and given moments that were awesome. That quarterback reverse throwback was awesome. Yeah, that was something else. You know, put Jaron Hall at the slot, rotate him out, pitch it on a reverse, put Jaron on the backside, throw him back to to Zach. It caught. There were some things that just caught USC flat-footed. They were out. You said it perfectly. Outcoached. Yep. And Utah will outcoach them. I fully anticipate that. Well, that's the thing with the, with USC and why they really need to go a different direction at head coach. I mean, I uh, I follow this uh, this um, account on Twitter. It's called Coach's Hot Seat or whatever. It's just a they randomly do a bunch of political stuff, which is obnoxious. But they're just like straight fire about coaches, right? They're just uh, critical and mean. And uh, they, they talk about how uh, anybody with half a brain should be able to coach USC because you get. You get all these great players, and if you if you lose at USC, you are not a good football coach. See, I'm starting to buy into Scotty's concept of Urban Meyer a little bit more. I oh, I think it's going to happen. He said three years, and they'd be back in national contention. Maybe even less. That's what he said, and maybe even fewer. Yeah. And I felt like USC's been such a mess with you. Know, you brought up a was that weird how Pete Arbogast handled that question. Oh, about the AD? Yeah, that that was a little strange. I did feel a little weird about that. But maybe, you know, the play-by-play guy is employed by the university, so maybe he just felt like I can't comment about that because they're my bosses. Well, the question was founded well. I think it had a ton of merit, and I think it should have been answered because one of my biggest issues with USC is I feel like it's a complete mess. It is a mess. You're right. I'm just thinking, well, how much time would it take for Urban to come in and clean this up? You know, how much underbelly is there for him? 
are there administrators that are in the way of their growth and hitting their development and potential? Because I could name one university that I know that it just seems like their administration stays in the way of them hitting a true peak and growing as much as they can grow. And I'd like to say that USC's got a similar issue. Oh, I think they do, but they've got a new president. So that that's how it can are, are, change. Are the are the money guys running things down there? Uh, well, and, yeah, I think they and, always will. Uh, but did they with with Pete? Carol? Yeah. Um, well, no, not not after he started winning. So but that, but remember where USC was when Pete took over. Nobody wanted that job and they weren't very good. So I've got to imagine if Urban Meyer comes in, it's like, "Hey, everybody around me, just shut up." Right. And everybody will shut up. When Clay come in, comes in, it's like, well, we got to stay on top of this guy. I know he's an alum, and I know that he's got this and this, and we really like him, but got to stay on top of him. And it's constantly in your ear. And, well, why are you doing that back there? And what are you doing there? If Urban comes in, it's closed-door policy, money people on the outside, my team on the interior, I'm running it, stay away from me. He may be able to turn it around pretty quickly. Oh, I I think 100%. But it, it, but then you've got this loudmouth president who's like, well, we're not really looking at him. It's like, oh, shut no, it. Well, that's not true. That's what she's, that's what she's got to say. But uh, let, me, let me say this. this. What you're talking about is exactly why they hired Lin Swan in the first place. Why would you hire somebody with zero administration experience? At zero. I mean, what's Lin Swan been doing for the past since he retired from the Steelers? TV and playing golf? I mean, look at Pat Hayden before him. But but what happened is they got lucky with Pete Carroll, and then he was so good, all that other stuff stopped mattering because Pete became untouchable, right? Yeah. And then Pete Carroll leaves, and you hire a USC guy in Lane Kiffin, and how does that work out? And then you go to another USC guy in Steve Sarkeesian, and that one was a little different because Steve had his own things going on, uh, but that was unsuccessful. And so it's it comes back to the arrogance of, of USC, yes. and and I'm including the donors in that. Because I remember when they hired Lin Swan, it's like, what on earth are you – like, Tom Homo, I get it. He's a, he's a BYU great. He played football there. People know him, that sort of thing. But he has – what does he have, a doctorate in administration, uh, uh, education administration? I think he does. He, it's either a master's or a doctorate. I think you're right. And he had all that experience at Cal in their uh, athletic department. And those. I mean, he was qualified for the job. He wasn't just a former player at BYU who was really good. He had – uh, great credentials and was impeccably qualified to take that job. Lynn Swan, he just has a four handicap. And they're like, oh, Lynn, you were a USC great. Come run our athletic department. Not and a you, good idea. And you wonder what the, when it turns out to be a disaster, and you go, geez, why did that not work out well? See, I love guys that have great business concepts, great business training, and allow the right guys to operate the right way. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, you know, former BYU players, sometimes we get chattering and we're talking about, well, Tom Holm, how long is he going to be there? And what are some names that are possible replacements? And just amongst my buddies, some of my former teammates, there were two names that were brought up and I was like, what? Huh? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. That's not how, why? Why would you hire that guy? Was one of the names Carlos Nuno? No, but <laughs> Carlos would do a fantastic job. Uh, I think he'd do awesome. I would hire him. That's my buddy. But love Carlos. I, there are some guys that you just don't hire, even if they're they have right. high name recognition. But the thing is, if they go after Urban, they'll let Urban pick his boss. I bet. 
Urban would be the most brilliant hire. And it's like, well, what's it going to take to get you out of retirement, Herb? What's it going to take? How much? You want to be the highest paid coach? We'll make you the highest paid it. coach. They'll do it. Yeah. You want us to leave you alone? We'll leave you alone. And if, and if Herb's like, well, first we want to start by firing the president that said they don't want me. So fire him or her. Fire her. Okay, done. Now I want $22 million a year. But even, you know. That's kind of high, Herb. I, I wonder how they do it. Like, uh, like Rick Majerus, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you remember this because you were probably playing at the time, but Rick Majerus took the USC head basketball coaching job for about 24 hours and then resigned. Was that and, before St. Louis? Uh, yes, it was okay. before. It was his next gig after Utah. And if you believe some of the, the you know, scuttlebutt out there, by no means am I reporting anything, I suppose, but if you believe some of the rumor out there, Rick got there and found out how much – how many cooks were in the kitchen, oh. and how much he was going to have to, uh, and he was like, "Nope, nope. no thing." You mean, <coughs> you mean I can't live in a hotel and eat and do whatever I want? Nope. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, this is not for me. I have to report what to who? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not reporting crap. To, I'm done. And that was Majerus, who was, you know, I mean, that's as uh, almost as lofty as you can get in you the college basketball. You know what's, sad? You know what's sad, Jake? This is what's sad. I think a lot of potentially great coaches fail because of that exact thing. Oh, at the college level, for sure. You don't give them the resource, and you don't give them the space to do what they want to do. You don't give them the hiring power that they need, or the hiring power associated with the money to hire who they want to hire with the money that they have available. It's like, well, we're going to do, you can bring in three Three of the nine, or I guess it's ten now, isn't it? Is it ten full? Ten, right? Full they added system. one. Mm-hmm. So we we're we're gonna. You can bring in three of the ten. We've already got a strength and conditioning staff. Uh, our training staff is already set. So, and it's like, no, give them autonomy, man. Let them do their job. If you say, "Hey, Hans, we want you to come in and start a radio station," the first thing I'm going to say is, "Can I bring my guys? Can I bring my boys?" And if I can't, I'm not taking it because I don't I I don't trust you to hire three on air guys that I don't know. Okay, what if they said yes but not Lloyd? <laughs> then I'd say, okay, I'll pay you. Where do we start? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, we can tease Lloyd because he's out of town, like he always is. Uh, joining us now in studio from Umami Japanese Barbecue, uh, 568 North Mill Road down there in Vineyard. Uh, he's our good friend, Stephen. And uh, Stephen, let's uh, let's talk about the concept here, and then we can kind of dive into the meats. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. So, yeah, we are the first Japanese barbecue here in Utah. Um, we have some, in the middle of our t- every table, we have grills imported from Nagoya, Japan. They're not, it's not like a teppanyaki restaurant. We're not another one of those. Uh, they're a small gas barbecue grill that you actually actually grill your own meat at the table. Um, we've got a buffet all you can eat. It's more of an upscale fill. Uh, we got 15 different cuts of meat for dinner, 10 different cuts of meat for lunch. Take it back to your table. You're able to grill as much as you want. There's awesome dipping sauces to go along with it so you can kind of mix and match, try a bunch of different sauces with all the different cuts of meat. Where did you get the idea for this concept? Yeah, it's a really big concept in Japan. I think there's like 20,000 plus of these restaurants over there. So um, I served an LDS mission over there. And then I've I've been a chef the past 12 years of my life. And eventually kind of 
uh, took the leap and opened this restaurant. It was uh, really expensive to import the grills and get them installed, but well worth the investment. That's really exciting. That's so you're literally living the dream. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's so uh, cool. fun to kind of couple the passion of cooking and um, that dining concept. It's just a blast. You come with your buddies or on a date with your family or uh, with some business associates, sit down, grill. A lot of people say they'll put their phones down, just just kind of hang out and talk as you're grilling and eating um, some really high-end cuts of meat. And don't let the uh, the uh, all-you-can-eat kind of uh, stereotype fool you. Your, your thing is you want to go everything high-end and as good as it possibly can yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I think of a buffet, all-you-can-eat, you know, you start to think of food just you know, rotting out on the buffet, drying out, but that's not what this is. It's um, a lot of really high-end cuts of meat. You're taking it back to your table. You're grilling it yourself. So you're you're pulling a sizzling cut of beef or chicken or pork belly or lamb right off the grill, dipping it in sauce and, and eating it while it's still sizzling. Um, so it's even fresher than you know at a full-service restaurant. And you're going for authenticity. This is the real deal. Oh yeah, we've uh, yeah we have some really great recipes. Um, um, you know, we, we get a lot of uh, Asians, Polynesians that come to eat there. It reminds them of, of, you know, being back in Japan. They love it. Um, you definitely need to try it out if you haven't been there yet. And for our Zone listeners, if they mention the radio station, you're hooking them up with uh, free s'more dessert. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is one of our uh, favorite desserts there. We pull the grill net off. You're able to roast your marshmallows over the open flame in your table. Um, it's just a blast, a good way to end your meal. All right, that's Umami Japanese Barbecue, 568 North Mill Road, right there in Vineyard, just west of the freeway, right next to the Geneva Megaplex Theater. Stephen, thank you so much. Hey, thank you. All right, we'll have more Big Show. Josh Parcell joins us next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Big Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, Hans Olsen. Nice enough to sit in for Gordon's days down in L.A. getting ready to cover the game. Want to remind you, the joint Scotty and Hans coming up on Tuesday from noon to 3 at the re-grand opening for the Mountainland Supply Far West Store. Bigger and better, 3124 North, SR126 in Far West. Free hats, raffle prizes, and barbecue lunch. Everybody wants to feed you. I've I noticed know. that working at or working with you over these past what has it been a dozen years or so. Oh, uh, my listeners that you know they listen to the Hanson Scotty show. They'll bring in the donuts today. We got a dozen uh, fresh baked donuts from one of my favorite ba- bakeries. Everybody just wants to feed you. Glaze like big old like donut loaves and you know caramel sauce on these donuts, and I'm like ah. Uh, yeah, they do. And Mountainland does, they bring in R&R barbecue for that thing. So it's high-level brisket sandwiches that they put together. So make sure and uh, go hang out with those guys, uh, no doubt about it. We're hoping to talk to Josh Parcell coming up here momentarily, of course, our National College Football Insider. Has there been a team nationally that's really caught your eye, Hans? Uh, outside of the norm? Yeah. Not really. No. It's just the norm. 
The it's just the Clemsons, Clemsons and Alabamas, mm. and they just look like they're poised and ready. All right, he does a radio show for WFNZ in Charlotte. You can also hear him on uh, uh, Sirius XM Radio, as well as the College Football Country Podcast. He's our good friend, Josh Parcell. Hi, Josh. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm doing well. How are you guys? Very good. Good. Uh, Josh, I'll ask you this. Through the, the first uh, couple of weeks, have you seen a team that uh, is way better than you yeah, thought they I- would be? Ooh, that's a great question. Two come to mind. Uh, one would be LSU. I mean, this is the first time in basically a decade plus that they've had a, a prolific offense. I mean, you watch Joe Burrow go into Austin, Texas, and, and light up the Longhorns. You can't help but be impressed by you know the poise and the, the moxie that he showed late in that game and just delivering difficult throws. I mean, it, it, they look like they've got a quarterback who can – who can compete with Alabama here in a, in a month and a half or so. And I'm excited now. If LSU can can get to that game uh, undefeated, you're talking about a massive showdown going up in early November. The other team would be uh, Wisconsin. Now, they haven't really played a difficult schedule yet. Of course, just South Florida and Central Michigan. They got a big one on Saturday against the Wolverines. But Wisconsin, the rushing attack looks good as always. The defense looks dominant. I really like the Badgers and, you know, getting Michigan at home this weekend, they have a chance to make a statement and put themselves on the map as not just a Big Ten contender, but a playoff contender if they can win on Saturday. You know, I was excited to find out that I'd have an opportunity to talk to you. I I really respect your your national insight that you bring. And one of the conversations that I wanted to have with you was, the P5 and the G5 division and separation because I'm seeing a really strange trend. The Mount West Conference was 8-6 and six against Power 5 teams. And when you look at a 32 or $38 million check that's written as compared to a $5 million check, how are we seeing these Mount West Conference teams continue to contend against these Power 5 teams? It's a really good question, and you know I think the the most important reason why is the scholarship limit. Eighty five sounds like a lot, but there are a lot of talented football players to go around, and you're seeing the talent be distributed at least throughout even the the group of five level. I mean, Central Florida guys, they can compete with just about anybody. Maybe not Alabama and Clemson, but the next tier down in the Power Five, like there are programs out there that can do it. You know, Boise State goes into Tallahassee. They're not afraid. I mean, that's a program that's won on the biggest stage. And, you know, those players now, they believe that they're at Boise State. They they don't view themselves like a a group of five team. The financial gap, uh, I'll be honest with you guys, though, I I feel like you're really going to see it uh, become, or I guess personify itself on the field really in the next five to ten years. Like, the, the television money is obviously pouring in. The SEC network is now in its sixth season. Uh, the Big Ten network's been around. I, I feel like give it ten more years where that number just starts to exponentially grow and the, and the gap gets wider year over year. That's when I feel like we might see some of those teams have a harder time competing. Um, but, I mean, it really is a fascinating question, and it says a lot about the coaching staff at those lower-level programs, that they're able to go in and beat some of the big boys. I I give them a ton of credit. Josh, seeing what BYU did to USC last weekend, what do you think about Utah's chances uh, coming up on Friday? 
Yeah, I, I like Utah's chances a lot. I mean, now USC does get to go back home, which is nice. I mean, you saw Kidan Slovis struggle away from home uh, in his first road start, so that was definitely difficult for him. And But, I mean, Utah should win this game. I liked what BYU did defensively against him, and Utah's got one of the best defenses in college football, so they should control this game. I think they'll control the line of scrimmage. Uh, and I, I, I like Utah to win this football game. I know that they're a, a road favorite by about a field goal. That seems about right. Feels like this game could be tight in the fourth quarter, but I'll go with the team that has a little bit more stability on its coaching staff right now and the team that has the better defense. I think Utah controls the line of scrimmage on both sides. I like, I like the Utes to win this game. We had the USC play-by-play voice on a little earlier, and Jake asked him the question about Lynn Swan's exit and maybe some of the reasons behind it, and he refused an answer. And uh, you know, I think that there there may be some things in the in the um, in the reasoning behind the behind Lynn Swan leaving. I'm wondering how much this could affect the team, how much it affects the program, and how long we see that team without a leader at the athletic director. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously not an insider and a reporter, so I can't speak firsthand to, to like a timeline at USC. But you hear reports and you, and you read, you know, kind of what's happening there. I mean, I would imagine that they'll have that resolved by the end of football season. I mean, if, if you're USC, you want to have an AD in place who can go through the the coaching carousel process here by the end of the season and be able to get their pick of the litter of coaches. The last thing you want is an empty chair at the AD spot when it's time to start hiring a football coach. So I would expect that to happen in the next couple months. And and there are a lot of really prominent ADs out there who should jump at the chance to take that job. That is a top five job in all of college athletics as far as ADs go. I mean, you you would kill to have that kind of job with the resources, the, the market, the tradition. It's an awesome opportunity. I think they're going to get a great AD, and they need one because it's been a decade now running where they've had just one ex-athlete, one former star, you know, chosen son of USC. I hope they don't go that direction again here. I think they need to go with a more someone who's proven he can be an AD at that top level, and there's a lot of guys out there for that. But, it, I mean, as far as how it affects the football team, it's never easy to go play every week knowing that your coach is probably a lame duck. I applaud USC for playing as hard as they have. Kadon Slovis obviously has kind of changed the, the temperature of that team in the last couple of weeks. But I, I have a hard time believing that USC is a, a legitimate contender to win the Pac-12 South when there's that much instability circling around the program. Josh Parcell with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Josh, BYU has Washington this weekend. And uh, I'm curious where you're at on the Huskies right now. They turn over a lot of players, still expected them to be pretty good, but they just can't beat Cal. Yeah, I mean, you know what's funny is really ever since Washington won a couple years ago, the Pac-12 made it to the playoffs, they've struggled and and they've lost games every year that they have no business losing. I mean, you know, like you said, they can't beat Cal. They've lost to Washington State a couple times. Like, they've just – they have lost some bad games under Chris Peterson in the last few years. I was hopeful that Jacob Eason was going to be the answer, and you know, I, I wasn't a big fan of Jake Browning by the by the end of his career at Washington. Eason's a much bigger arm, more talented guy. Uh, you know, they obviously have had a lot of turnover at the skill positions without Miles Gaskin and Pettis, some of those guys. But I think that with this group, I thought they were going to be better. That Cal game surprised me. 
I, it's hard for me to go against BYU at this point. I mean, I know that this is the third straight week. They're an underdog. They've pulled off a couple upsets. Washington, at least in my estimation, is a better team than Tennessee or USC. But uh, it wouldn't shock me at all if BYU went in with, with the Mormon man's health and, and pulled off another shocker uh, at home. I think Kalani Sitake has done an awesome job getting those guys to believe. That, that game will be close. It'll be fun to watch. Oh, no. Did that name just catch? It's catching. Is that I hope catching? so, man. It's fantastic. I love it. It was fun watching him out there last week. That was that was one of the most exciting games of the season so far. He he's a blast to watch. I, I know you guys must have a ton of fun out there covering him. Some great quarterbacks in the state. I mean, between him and Jordan Love out there as well. You got a lot of yeah. great football being played in the state. Yeah, it, it, from a national perspective, rank the three: Jordan Love, Tyler Huntley, oh. and Zach Wilson. Man, that's a great question. I mean, Jordan Love is the most gifted. Uh, which is funny, you know, being the one at Utah State. But um, Jordan Love is the guy who, who very well could be a, a first-round pick. You know, I covered the Carolina Panthers here in Charlotte, and they, they may need a quarterback in next year's draft. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Jordan Love's name gets brought up more often in my neck of the woods. I would probably go Wilson slightly next, but I think Wilson and Huntley are kind of interchangeable. Um, both of them have their moments. They're great athletes. Uh, I love is clearly in my eyes the best of the three, but man, it, it's hard to deny the way Wilson's played the last few weeks. I mean, some of the clutch throws that he's made, the clutch plays that he's made to help win those games. I mean, that's what makes college football so great, and, and he's been fantastic. Uh, you mentioned you're covering the Panthers back there in Charlotte. When did Ron Rivera turn so sensitive? Uh, probably when he realized his job's on the line. I mean, this is. <laughs> This is hurtling towards fired coach territory, and I hate to talk about it like that. I mean, it's the part of the job that's by far my, my least favorite, you know, talking about coaches potentially being out of gigs. But when they lose Cam Newton, you guys I'm sure saw it last Thursday night, Cam was, was awful. And, you know, you find out after the game that he re-aggravated a foot injury. I was screaming, guys, on the air a month ago, do not play Cam Newton in the preseason. It is not worth the risk putting him on the field, putting him in harm's way. And lo and behold, they put him on the field. On the third series of the preseason, he sprains his foot, and that's the same injury now that he re-aggravates on Thursday night against Tampa Bay. So it is in Ron's hands, ultimately, that decision to play him, and he's going to have to answer for that. He's at least partially culpable for Cam's injury. And if the Panthers start 1-5 or 0-6 before the bye week, which I think is possible right now without Cam, uh, Ron may be on the way out. He was frustrated today leaving a press conference early, and uh, for good reason. It's, it's, It's tough times here in Charlotte, but, hey, it makes for good radio. Josh, thank you so much as always. We'll catch you next week. You bet, guys. Talk to you soon. Josh Parcell, one of our favorites, uh, WFNZ there in Charlotte, but he's on Sirius XM Radio, their college football uh, coverage, and he does the College Football Country podcast as well. Shame on you. You're going to get the the Twitter mob all after Josh. What are you doing? (laughs) He he (laughs) deserves it for bringing up the Mormon Manziel. You don't like that nickname? No. All right, we'll have more Big Show straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. I got the high school games coming up. And by the way, just a a side thing, big thanks to Jeremy Brunner for his work in the truck. 
Always enjoy it when he produces the game. Jeremy's a pro. Oh, I love it. Was that a shot at Adrian? And Damon, I feel like oh. it was. And just so you know, just just a quick side nod here. I wish Jeremy could be my producer every day. <laughs> I make a comment, and it must be a shot at somebody. Just, it must be. You looked right at Adrian when you were saying. I was talking TV. <laughs> I always get myself in trouble because of you guys. I did not say Jeremy does a great job on TV and Adrian sucks on radio. I did not say that. You did now. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. We'll talk more college football coming up right around the corner. But uh, joining us now in studio, he's been hanging out with us all day, is our friend Stevens from uh, Umami Japanese Barbecue. And I uh, love it. This is something that's unique here in Utah, Stephen. You're, you're starting this up. You're on the ground floor, my man. Yeah, we are the first Japanese-style barbecue here in Utah. It's uh, it's really a social dining experience. You get to come with uh, some friends, date. Um, we have uh, 15 cuts of meat. You bring them to your table, grill it yourself on a grill that's been imported from Japan. It's just an awesome experience. Uh, what I love about it, and you, you hit on it a little bit there, is the, the social aspect of it. This is it's it's not just a meal. It's kind of a it's kind of an event. It's something you you share with with your group, family, work, whatever the case may be. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just coming and shoving some food down your throat really quick. Uh, a lot of our patrons will stay for you know two hours, sometimes more than that. Sit around the table. You know, grill the meat um, that are, that's in the awesome marinades. Just hang out and talk. It's 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 just a really fun, unique time. And the meats are really high end. You guys do fifteen different cuts of meat, and it's all uh, premium, premium stuff. Yeah, I'm a chef by trade, and so I worked with a lot of meat suppliers. Um, you know, we spent a good five, six months working with some local ones, um, some meat experts, and rather than picking out the cheapest junkiest meat like right. most buffets do we we targeted the highest cuts that had the best flavor um, because we want everyone that comes in to really enjoy it and have a great experience 568 north mill road right there in vineyard it's very easy to find it's right by the geneva megaplex and uh, if folks go in and mention the zone you're hooking them up with some dessert yeah, yeah. So we have the uh, s'mores dessert for free. If you mention it to your server, we take the grill net off. You're able to roast the marshmallow over the open flame on your table. Um, it's really fun dessert to end your meal with. That's so cool. That's so awesome. So you get the what do you get the stick just like uh, yeah, you yeah, do it at the skewers, and awesome. then we have like peanut butter cups and Oreos as well as the traditional graham crackers um, and chocolate bars. So all right, that address again, five sixty eight North Mill Road in Vineyard, but it's it's right by the Megaplex, right off the freeway, just west of it. So easy to find. Stephen, uh, we can't thank you enough for coming in today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, we'll have more big show straight ahead, ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Wrapping up the big show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, Gordo down in L.A. getting ready to cover the Utes and the Trojans tomorrow night. Hans Olsen has been nice enough to sit in for Gordon today. And Hans, I know uh, you've got some long days. I know tomorrow's going to be a long day for you, but I really appreciate you coming and and filling in. College football this weekend is so huge. Uh, uh, We were uh, fortunate to have you uh, come and 
keep us all informed. Well, it's fun because it's about the only thing I'm halfway decent at is talking college football. So I, you know, I, I well, and I'm talking like in just in the world and the workforce. Like this is my love. It's my passion. It's it's always on my mind. I'm always studying it, trying to get better at it, talking to coaches to try to figure out the new forms and formations because things are always evolving. And I go back to John Pease where he's like, he, he used to say, stop trying to invent the wheel. Football's been around 100 years. Just do what, it's, what, what people have done in the past to be, to be successful. But we're seeing changes, constant evolution. And it's hard to keep up on all that. Actually, what BYU has done offensively has is, is really forced me to get back on my game. Yeah, it's, it's uh, all those RPOs. Man, you've done a great job breaking that down, by the way. Well, it, it really is simplification up front. Yeah. It's kind of mind-numbing, mind-numbing simplification. Like, I just fire out in a run block. Don't go past the five-yard line. If you recognize a certain formation or a certain set from a defensive lineman, then, then pass block him. Like could, I, could I ask you this as a guy who used to play uh, offensive line? Because uh, I hear uh, Lincoln Kennedy when he comes on with DJ and PK, and he just hates it. Yeah, I hate it. Just hates it. Oh, I hate it for the offensive line. Yeah. If I was a high school recruit coming out of high school, I would not go to a team that specializes in RPO. I wouldn't. Well, because Lincoln says they're by no means uh, prepared for the NFL at all. No. That's, you know, I I remember I was talking with, uh, I'm really close with one NFL scout in particular, and I was having a conversation. I bumped into him at a practice and having a conversation. He said, there are a few schools we won't even go look at at offensive line. Really? Just won't even look at it because we've either drafted or, or a guy has been drafted out of that organization because of body, speed, and size. And we get him in, and in, it's two years we're trying to help him figure out what a decent, quick, or, or fast set pass set is. Like actual pass setting in an island situation. Something like, that's pretty basic, or yeah. should be anyway. So – I don't like it for the offensive line. Under the right personnel with a quarterback that can make great decisions, it can be effective. Well, and it is becoming more and more regular in the NFL, too. I mean, you're seeing NFL teams use those concepts more and more. The college game is— They'll try to read it, but the thing is, is the NFL defenses will come a long way just to start disguising because so much of the RPO is run off of defensive formations. Right. So the more you can clog a formation and then vacate an area, the more you'll confuse the RPOs. Mm. And so they'll eventually they'll go away from it. Big thanks to Pete Arbogast, who joined us today. Thanks to Josh Parcell, who jumped on. Thanks to Gordon, who jumped on with us in the 3 o'clock hour. Thanks to Austin, executive producer of The Big Show. I want to remind you, you can get all of our content uh, online on our podcast, 1280thezone.com. If you uh, go to your favorite podcast catcher, search The Big Show. We'd appreciate it if you gave us a subscribe. Then you automatically get all of our material. Thanks again, Hans, for filling in. You're the man. Always do it for you, buddy. Hans, tomorrow from noon to 3, it is a football Friday. And then Hans and Frank will have Ute pregame for you at the point after starting at 6. And, of course, Ute postgame as soon as the game goes final. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.